Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact it's a self-study course, you will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching live, feel free to use the chat dialog box to ask your questions to the presenter. And if you're watching after the fact, you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com. You complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, well, welcome to today's webinar on how to enhance your firm's technology experience. I am pleased to have a guest today of Emily Raines and Cheryl Hebert. I've, I've known these guys for quite some time. And in my mind, uh, CTROM is uh, one of the best, if not the best, CPA firm hosting companies in the business. You'll find just listening to their uh, background and explanation that that's true. I do apologize a bit. I love talking with Chris Stark, who unfortunately was ill today, and we decided it was more important to produce the session for you than to wait for Chris to be well and go another day. So uh, just wanted to make sure that you knew that. So I think with that being said, um, you know, I might turn it over and Emily, let you run here for just a minute, give a little bit of background on Citron, please. Great. Thank you so Thank much, you, Randy, for that humbling intro. Yep. Unfortunately, Chris wasn't able to join us today, um, but I have my colleague here, Shirley Bear, who's the National Sales Director, and I myself over here, Marketing and Communications Director. So hopefully we'll leave you with a, a wealth of knowledge um, and tips and best practices you can bring back to your firm on how to enhance your firm's technology experience talent, remote work, security, and much more. So just jumping into a little bit about us, a little bit about who we are. We were founded in 2001, so we're celebrating our 21st year. Uh, we've been cloud from the beginning, even right around before it was considered cloud computing. Um, as Randy mentioned, um, we're, we're rated the top hosting provider for CPA firms, so very humbled by that accolade. Um, we're a private company, veteran-owned. Chris is a veteran, um, and we're headcounted out of the D.C. metro area. I'm out of Maryland for any of you East Coasters, um, and we also have another East Coaster down south here, Cheryl, from uh, Georgia. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we have data centers located in Sterling, Virginia and Denver, Colorado. And really security is our number one priority. We're definitely going to touch on that um, at a pretty good uh, breath here um, towards the end of the, the deck. Um, but it really is our number one priority and the focus of everything we do and every decision we make. So a little bit just about more about us. I mentioned, yeah, obviously, K2, to top hosting provider. Very proud of that um, accolade. Um, but CPA Practice Advisor, we've been rated five stars for uh, service and support. So very proud of that. 
um, acknowledgement, but even more closely near and dear to Chris's heart, I gotta mention it because he's not on here, but uh, AWE Alliance for Workplace Excellence, it's really close to our heart in terms of culture. And we're gonna touch on that too during this um, presentation, but that's seventh year in, in a row. This next slide, a lot of these are gonna look familiar to you folks, um, CPA firms. We've got a, a breadth of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge in terms of the applications, um, accounting applications that uh, we're hosting today. Many of these will look familiar to you, um, just kind of the day in, day out, and all the fun little quirky things that go along with hosting those, so. And Emily, even though you're on a roll, I wanna step in here and just yeah. state that for CPA firm hosting companies, if they're not authorized to do QuickBooks hosting, you can't even consider them. That's kind of right. bottom line. Boom. Thank you. Thank but you, number, Randy. But number two is if a firm doesn't have experience with Walters Kluwer or Thomson Reuters or Intuit or Caseware, and you can see some of the other logos here, but if they yeah. don't have experience making those things run, your experience is not going to be good at all. So it's another reason yeah. why I like what this particular provider, the profession has done. Uh, and, you know, the and more, uh, you know, we could talk numbers here, but there are hundreds of application it takes to run a firm properly. There are. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, the time value as an example, but that those type of things can be pretty easy to run, but there's some that are real buggers that you just would think they're not a big deal. And it takes technicians yeah. a long time to learn to do these. And these vendors change their products over time. So, you know, these guys have to keep up with hundreds of applications to really do the job right. And that is not to be underestimated. And just to yeah, jump so in just true. a little bit there, Randy, you know, we, we constantly go to these conferences, we'll be at one next week, and we're trying our best to learn about these new best-in-breed type technologies out there, you know, the, the new document management, the new workflow providers. So we cannot say across the board we host everything, but we're working hard to be able to. Yep. Thanks, Randy. Yep. And, and just to give you the numbers again, if by my last count, it's about 700 if you were wow. able to do them all. Wow. But, you know, I, I think you guys do hundreds the last time I asked you. And, yes. You know, that's, <laughs> it takes a heck of a lot of work to get there. So, again, but QuickBooks to me is a showstopper. There's a lot of uh, firms that make the mistake of going to an unauthorized QuickBooks hosting provider. And that is um, CPA licensed forfeiture territory. That's an oh, ethics yeah. violation. Yeah. And you, you don't want to give up your CPA license to save some dollars on hosting for QuickBooks. Hello. So sorry to interrupt your flow there, Emily. No worries at all. That's all great information on, on all fronts. Thank you, Randy. Um, so just jumping in a little bit into the agenda. Um, we're going to be talking about outsourcing talent and how cloud can help how to create and maintain a hybrid work model, tips and best practices to manage IT security, and where do we go from here? IT solutions to consider. So really when we kind of focused in on what we wanted to talk about today, it's really a lot of the hot topics that are uh, you know, going on as we're kind of coming out of, we came out of tax season, really looking and evaluating the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, so hopefully we'll come, around, uh, come away with some good tips and best practices with this. So just jump in real quick into our first poll question. Just want to get a feel for how everybody um, felt their IT, IT experience was this past tax season. Would you consider it was great? We wouldn't change a thing. Um, it was good. We're running pretty smoothly. Um, fair. There's some room for improvement. Um, we're poor. Hopefully not, but had a lot of issues this past tax season. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us a, a candid response there and how you really felt um, your IT served you this past tax season. And I'll give everybody a few seconds there to respond. And you know, while they're responding there, Emily, again, I hear from firms of all sizes in all geographies and so forth. And, uh, you know, this was the first pseudo normal tax season we'd had in a while, but it seemed like client work was still arriving a little bit late and there yeah. were outages of critical providers near deadlines again, wow. which has happened most years over the last four or five years. So, you know, uh, I will just comment that everybody has their bad day when things don't yep. work right. But, uh, you know, there are um, more occurrences of bad experiences that I'm hearing about 
And part of that, I believe, is that the applications are getting a little more complex. Mm -hmm. So just recognize, though, you can actually have IT run smoothly. Yep. And I know that's hard to believe, but it actually can be real good and real fast. And, uh, you know, you don't know because you only know what you know. You only know your current environment. But, you know, if your gut tells you it's good or it's fair or it's great, that's probably pretty close. Yeah, Thanks. that's great. Yeah, I mean, I know we can speak for us. It was a very smooth tax season. Um, luckily for us, we really kind of pause and wait for all those uh, medium grade uh, maintenance for after tax season because, you know, we serve CPA firms. They have uh, no ability to be down during tax season. It's critical time for them. So we kind of mold our maintenance period and windows around um, their schedule. So it looks like uh, we've got lots of responses here. I'm going to go ahead and share the, the results. Oh, okay. It looks like majority had good, good experience. That's yeah. good. Yeah. We're running pretty smoothly. That's great to hear. And it looks like there's definitely some room for improvement for a Thank few of you folks. So yeah, good to see. Awesome. All right. I'll go ahead and proceed here. We're going to just jump in um, to our first, first section here, outsourcing talent and how cloud can help. So just want to kind of paint a picture, you know, obviously everyone's heard of the talent crisis. Some people refer to a talent shortage. It's really something that we're experiencing across many industries right now, but really just kind of giving you an insight here, um, we're really seeing shrinking talent entering the workforce. So if you're really looking at, you know, millennial uh, uh, generation and really generation um, Gen Z, um, it's just, it's a smaller pool of people where we're used to, you know, the, the baby boomer generations is like a larger, larger group of folks. So, you know, with the baby boomers, we're seeing a lot of them reaching retirement. Some of them chose early retirement kind of during, you know, COVID, which obviously we're still somewhat battling with now, um, but hopefully it seems like things are starting to subside. So fingers crossed that continues to improve, but it really is playing into the trends that we're seeing with talent um, in terms of recruitment, in terms of retention, and really how people are choosing to work. They're really rethinking their lifestyles. They're thinking, you know, where and how they want to spend their time, what they value and a position and a place of work, and how they want to work, you know, where do they want to work. So all really good things to, to consider. And employee value proposition, um, EVP, if for those of you who don't know um, what that is, it's really thinking about that exchange of benefits, you know, what, what are you, what is your staff bringing to the table and what are you offering them as a benefit in return, thinking about fostering a, a positive culture, offering a flexible work model, um, you know, maybe it's not the typical nine to five, maybe they work better, or it suits their, their home life better if they're working, say, you know, three until one or whatever it would be. Really just thinking about that and offering more flexibility for work so that they can get the most out of their work day, but also have that flexibility for their work-life balance. Creating tracks for growth and having a mission beyond profit is so critical, especially when you're trying to attract, you know, younger generations. They're really looking at the mission and what, um, you know, what you're bringing to the table each day and what you're your, your goal is in terms of, you know, maybe beyond profit, how are you helping your community or how are you helping other, other organizations um, working towards a common mission, a common goal? And we're looking at expanding benefits, you know, thinking PTO, health insurance, wellness programs, incentive-based referrals for new hires, really just looking at your overall package and thinking, okay, would I want to come here? Would I want to come and join this firm? Um, and just start also thinking about, you know, feedback from your staff and what they value, I think is really important. So creative hiring strategies, just jumping in a little bit into that. Some of these you're probably already exercising, especially when it comes to temporary hiring, especially during busy season, but thinking about fract uh, fractional hiring, Offshore hiring is more uh, recently has come into play um, with hiring overseas to help supplement that workload during tax season. Innovating new positions, so thinking, um, you know, maybe you have someone on staff that 
okay, they like maybe two thirds of what they're doing, but this mundane stuff, they just want to shift that off their plate. How can I kind of shift them towards the trajectory and the path that they want to go in their career and really listening to their needs and what they want out of that. Um, and also thinking about what might attract new hires coming on board, kind of, you know, make it fun, change up the titles, make it more engaging and, and more attractive for them to want to come on board to your team and show your culture. Um, mentoring and recruiting youth. This is definitely um, going to come into play here, especially coming into the next year or two years and bringing in that new generation and thinking about, you know, how am I going to attract these new folks? You know, many of us, you know, tight-knit accounting firms are used to, you know, bringing on, oh, I know someone's cousin that they're trying to get into accounting or yeah, my sister, you know, we're just so, such a tight-knit community that, you know, got to think about branching out a little bit and looking outside your industry as well, really thinking outside that box and trying to attract outside of that to help um, cultivate that uh, new generation within your firm. And also considering sign-on bonuses. We know of a few firms that have definitely taken advantage of that as a creative hiring strategy. So what Emily, about you, Randy? Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, Emily, to these points, just a few other things to consider. There's actually onshore hiring options as well. Of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, as and as I've reviewed the outsourcing options for firms, because you know, this great resignation, great retirement hasn't slowed down much. Um those types of firms seem to be doing okay. So the likes of the books keeping and the tax files mm -hmm. and the traditional ones like the uh, expo tax and so forth, those are all definitely in play. But another creative hiring strategy is the ability to retain when you're working in the cloud, when you're working remote, because if a spouse gets transferred or someone yes. like Cheryl wants to move from Maryland to Georgia, <laughs> it's not that big a deal to make the move. So true. Or if the yep. spouse gets transferred, so you retain. Now, the one thing that's kind of a pro-con, and this it does have a plus and minus on this, is if you're in a lower cost geography, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, competitors can kind of use this against you by offering sure. jobs at higher cost. Yep. So true. And a quick example of that, we actually were at a conference last week, two weeks ago, and we saw a client of ours that gave us this, shared a story of someone that moved from Kentucky, where they're based, to Florida, and to a very rural part of Florida, and they're still a successful employee. So, great example. Yeah, exactly. So, there's so many of these things that you can do from hiring, and this problem is not going to go away. I project yep. it will even get a little worse with the new CPA Vision Project. Yeah, where the CPA exam is going to change and we're now going to wind up with a, a completely different hiring profile starting in 2024. So, you know, your earlier point on the prior slide about fewer people entering the profession while we're having the exits. We, this is this is a better than normal definition of a perfect storm. Definitely. Yeah. And that's actually kind of plays into a couple of things I uh, want to mention on the next slide, too. And just thinking about the position and um, these new recruits coming on board and exactly, you know, what they're doing in their job. And if it's, you know, how does it attract to them? Are there mundane, tedious tasks they might not be interested in, you know, in terms of that, um, what you're providing or bringing to the table? And that's where automation comes into play. You know, there might be you know, position out there that you throw out there is just not attractive to a new generation coming in. They just don't see the joy in, in hiring for that position or the potential um, for growth, you know, and that's definitely something to consider. Um, but even more importantly, just thinking about their experience with IT day to day. And Randy, one of the things that you mentioned was offering that flexible work model so that, you know, if someone wanted to pick up or their spouse, you know, decided like, oh, we're going to relocate or move to another area, are you offering that flexibility and supporting, you know, uh, different work models and time zones? Like, are you, would you be willing um, to give them that flexibility to relocate and still provide that same experience in terms of, um, you know, connectivity and making sure they're still part of that team um, and just supporting them through that? Um, 
are you providing fast, reliable, secure access to data? That kind of plays into that as well. And then offering ongoing employee training um, program, especially with those new hires coming on board, but also the current staff that you have. Are you investing into their reoccurring training, whether it relates to their profession or even just thinking about cybersecurity training or um, just the day-to-day -day tips and best practices um, so that they continue um, building on their current knowledge. Um, and then also just offering direct access to IT support 24-7, 365. So some of that plays into that asynchronous model here that I have on this slide and kind of a little bit of what that is is thinking about, you know, you have teams working in different time zones, but also you might have someone local that might want to consider, you know, changing up their schedule, maybe their spouse's, um, you know, uh, has to work during the day and you guys are trying to figure out, you know, childcare, maybe you're more productive in the at night, you know, maybe you prefer to have that uh, nine to four schedule or whatever it would be. Um, and you just find that you're more, more productive. The benefit to that is you actually have um, things don't just drop at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whenever you log off, it might continue. And obviously we see that during tax season, during our 12, 14, 16 hour days, but really considering moving forward and throughout the year, providing a option, an opportunity for an asynchronous model to work. And that's really attractive to, you know, the next generation and something to consider um, when you're kind of building out and establishing your uh, staff policies, culture, um, and offerings. Yeah, and to your point, you know, this uh, flexible schedule is a big deal from a child care perspective. Yes. And, you know, I'll have to admit, when you were talking about working from three to one, I actually prefer the one to three schedule. You know, I, I think nice. that seems a lot more fun. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is that sometimes, you know, a staggered work schedule actually works better because what is it that we're really interested in our firms? It's getting the client work done on a timely basis right. as yes. a quality mm -hmm. work isn't that the real deal? So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, for me personally, I don't know uh, your schedule, but for me, mm -hmm. I actually write better early in the morning and late at night. Now that seems mm -hmm. weird, but you know, if you ask me to do something at 4 p.m., yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> You're speaking my worth, language, Randy. <laughs> it ain't going to be worth squat, okay? But what we want is we want people to be able to do the things for us in the yes. best way that they can and support their families and support our yes. clients. Great. Well said. Yep, definitely well said. Yeah, and a little bit, we touched on this like just a little bit there, but really thinking about, you know, automating tedious tasks. What are those tasks within your firm that, you know, there might be opportunities um, to invest in technology where you can really cut back on that time spent on those mundane, repetitive, time-consuming tasks and put more time back into your firm when it comes to more higher level thinking projects is really going to further and help grow your firm. And some of those kind of tedious tasks I know that have come up recently in discussions and a lot of chapter meetings and society meetings that we've been a part of engagement letters oh gosh spill, spilling you know tens hundreds of hours over a course of time on engagement letters printing and mailing client organizers preparing assembling delivering and collecting signed e-file forms and client reminders you know it's all things that we could really you know consider automating so that you're really focusing on that time bringing that time back into your day and also providing more of a work-life balance And then just jumping in here, maintaining culture in a hybrid environment. So we talked a little bit about culture, but specifically thinking about teams working in different areas. You know, you're going to, you might have some staff they prefer and they're more productive in the office. And that's completely fine. I think offering that flexibility, whether they prefer to be in the office or they prefer to be working remote um, or a little mix of both, maybe you have a hybrid model really got to focus on increasing communication with staff and you're definitely going to see improvement there you know whether you're using teams or slack or just email kind of just getting a focus on you know a platform that you can kind of keep everyone in the loop either some kind of chat forum or, or group setting um, so that people still feel that connection even though they might be in a remote location um, and not physically in an office 
investing employee well-being benefits. Of course, we touched on a few of those um, expansion of benefits there. Virtual happy hours. I mean, who hasn't attended a virtual happy hour? <laughs> it could be a lot of fun, you know, make it fun, baby pictures, you know, scavenger hunt, whatever you want to do, just to kind of break out of the norm and just get to know everybody. And hopefully you're also engaging in some in-person activity well as well, possibly outdoors as we've gotten, you know, weather's gotten better um especially for the east coast although it's super hot today um but hopefully just engaging with that and really just trying to get to know your staff especially any new recruits you've brought on board in the past couple of years during covid um create engaging onboarding opportunities so that kind of also plays into happy hours and gatherings get togethers and get to know you so you know maybe send out a survey and you know just kind of poll and see what their interests are and try to connect groups together, even if they're in a separate department. Encourage sharing among team members, of course, and also, you know, send out some kudos out there. People are doing well or um, team members that are doing a great job or teams together and, and collaboration that's, that's going well and just, you know, highlight those folks and promote flexible work model, of course, you know, you want to support that. Um, I know it can be hard sometimes condensing, you might be certain managing partners or certain folks that might just not be into the whole remote work life. And I know it's definitely a, a shift that definitely a change, but you want to think of your staff as a whole, and where you're headed and kind of, you know, supporting that flexible and uh, that flexible group that flexible setting. Um, and then, of course, survey employees for their opinion. You know, you might have a few quiet folks that might not voice up, you know, with their opinions and, and their likes and dislikes. And it's just good to, you know, kind of send out a poll out there, see how things are going and see uh, if you're meeting everyone's needs. With that, going to start off with a, another poll here. Um, so what best describes your current workplace model? So just want to kind of get a feel for um, the current settings you guys have today. Are you fully on site? Haven't left the office? Um, hybrid model, some remote, some in the office? Are you fully virtual, work from anywhere model? And are you hybrid with maybe some offshore staff? Or maybe you're hiring outside the US? So just kind of get a little poll, see how what everyone's got going on currently. So Emily, as we're watching those answers roll in, it it there is no one right way to do this. You sure. know, so yeah. when you're talking so about true. culture, you really need to focus on what you believe drives the best client experience, then what drives the best team member experience, and what yes. drives the best bottom line dollars to the firm. And everybody's trying to solve the problem. And so, you know, again, we're not trying to tell you it should be this way or it should be that way. The question right. is just what are you doing? So, <laughs> yes, definitely. I think the key here, too, is just flexibility, you know, whether it is having giving them the opportunity to be in the office if they want to be and right. remote if they want to be remote or if they work better remote and productivity, you know, focusing on that. All right. It looks like. Go ahead and share those results here okay it looks like we have majority of our hybrid some remote and some in the office and then we actually have a few folks that are fully virtual yeah. so very cool awesome okay just go ahead and jump in here in the next section so how to create and maintain a hybrid work model so obviously we've already got a few folks um, that are already kind of leveraging this but her, perhaps you might have some takeaways here or if your firm is currently in the office and looking at maybe potentially considering hybrid or um, flexibility there perhaps we'll have uh, some takeaways for you as well so remote working it's here to stay. Kind of the data has spoken for itself over the past couple of years um, that we've seen. Um, so 25% of all professional jobs in North America will be remote by the end of 2022 and will increase in 2023. And that's honestly, we're going to see that trend grow too as we're shifting out at certain generations um, and bringing people on board and offering more flexibility and introducing new technology um, and better technology. We've really um, exceeded... Uh, the level here the past couple of uh, years, probably not where we thought we'd be today, but lots of really great solutions and improvements have come out the last couple of years. Um, 
Also just a note here, the National Bureau of Economic Research actually stated about 77% would like to work remotely at least once a week. 31% would prefer to work remote all five days. So again, kind of what Randy said there too, really important to survey your staff, you know, get a feel for how they're doing, you know, are, is their current work structure supporting their, their needs and their um, ability to work and how they prefer to work, but also, you know, considering their productivity, maybe they're more productive in the office, maybe remote, just really listening to their needs instead of trying to force everyone into one um, practice, if you will, or, or one model, I think is key, really thinking about that flexibility there. Yeah, and I do have clients that are 100% uh, virtual and have been for some years, well pre-pandemic. Yeah. One learning point, I think, of uh, the shift that we had to go through over the last couple of years is that it's probably wise to have a meeting day or meeting days in the office. So you designate, let's just say, Tuesday or Wednesday is the day that you meet. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to have an in-office day, everybody can plan and you can do your face-to-face -face meetings on that day if that's the style in which you're going to manage yeah. and actually that's two great. days a week seems to be good and the most common out of the office days as you would expect are monday or friday friday yep <laughs> but I, I don't think that has to do with people uh no not working <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it really has to do with just, uh, you know, setting the expectation for the weekend yeah. of the weekend. Right. Yeah, that's great, Randy. Yeah. Good comments from Stephen Yoss as well. So, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Notice that Steve basically said, you know, having a quiet day in the uh, middle of the week has been golden for productivity. Yeah. And yes. uh, he'd been reserving Wednesdays for focus times. And, you know, historically, I have done similar types of things as well, where I just say, you know, I have got to block it off because there's so much demand. Um, I have to be able to focus to get things done. So true. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got to block off that time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, so just jumping in a little bit, you know, obviously benefits of remote work, um, or you can even just say, you know, hybrid work really here um, is attracting next gen, like I've mentioned, virtual hiring and training, you know, some folks here, maybe you hired during the pandemic when, you know, a lot of folks were just you know, remote at the time, maybe you weren't in the office at the time, but you really need to bring on staff to help support busy season. And you had to figure out, okay, I've got to hire, I've got to train. How do I know that I'm hiring the right person? You know, how do I make sure that we're, um, you know, bringing them on um, effectively and, and training them effectively and providing them with all the tools and resources they need to feel connected to the team? Um, you're going to see stronger staff retention. That's really with any flexibility, you know, it goes beyond remote work life, um, but just really listening to your staff. Hire by talent, not by location. So that goes a little bit into what Randy was saying earlier about um, just geography in general and, and hiring, you know, outside of state or, or even outside the country. Um, you're not limited to your own geographical location. You can really think, you know, outside the box and, and that's really going to help with hiring, you know, the right folks and, and having a, a larger pool to pull from. So really great stuff stronger adoption of technology. So obviously, you know, you've got teams remote, you got teams in the office, got to connect. So how do we do that through technology? Um, so you're going to see stronger adoption. People are going to start like, oh, you know, back when they didn't even know what Teams was or chat or whatever, um, you know, it's definitely, you're going to see more people engaging with it and realizing, oh, wow, this is actually a really helpful tool to have. And I definitely feel more connected um, through using that and whether it's, you know, even for your clients, thinking about like client portal adoption. I and mean, obviously we're trying to move out of this paperless um, mode of, you know, constant paper shuffling and, and um, processing and everything and really focusing on automation and, you know, online portal access and on-demand access, all of that, and just um, streamlining communication overall. Offer telework as an employee benefit Obviously, it's a great benefit to have, definitely attractive in terms of recruiting, offer flexibility, work-life balance again, and reduce capital expenses. Maybe, like Randy said, he's got a, a few firms. We have a few clients, uh, actually Completely a good many, virtual. 
a good many, yeah, that are completely virtual and they've been able to close offices during this time and it's really money back into their firm. So it's definitely something to consider if it's right for you and your firm and the staff that you have, you know, potentially either complete close or maybe just reduce size so that you're, you know, pulling that money back in and maybe investing in better technology. So how do we do that? Um, so how to create a hybrid workforce? So this is very high level, just kind of just skimming the surface, but just to give you a little taste of what that would look like. So obviously subscribing, you know, developing, uh, you know, virtual desktop or application-based apps. So how are you working day to day? Are you logging into, you know, a virtual desktop, RDP? Like what is your experience day to day and how are you connecting hopefully securely to your applications, no matter where you are in the world? Um, evaluate daily communication and collaboration. Again, I kind of mentioned Teams. Obviously, we're using Zoom right now. Um, there's lots of different um, technologies out there um, to kind of uh, evaluate, but really thinking about your team specifically and their adoption and kind of focusing in on maybe one, maybe two, but focusing on maybe one stream where you're all kind of working together, whether that is through Teams or SharePoint or whatever site you might be using to help communicate and also share documentation, um, establish reoccurring training and team building exercises. Again, that's not just, you know, thinking about day-to-day, -day, whether it's cybersecurity training or, um, you know, more quality assurance type training, but also thinking team building exercises and the culture that you're creating as a team and that daily communication and check-ins and, you know, whether it's a daily huddle um, or just, you know, just checking in on your team members, send them a message. How's it going? Do you need assistance with this? You know, the typical day-to-day. -day -day. And establishing data security policies and procedures. And Cheryl's gonna go a little bit more uh, into security here in just a moment, um, but that's so critical, especially when you're thinking about a hybrid workforce. You got folks in the office, you got folks dialing remotely, hopefully not on a public Wi-Fi, but just thinking about, you know, how they're working daily and are, are they really putting security first and focusing in on, okay, I need to make sure that I'm, you know, my data is secure, everything is patched, I've got antivirus, whether they're you know, maybe working on a personal device or, you know, just making sure that everything is locked down. Um, and you have that procedure in place so that they have those tools. They understand the importance of that data security, especially when working remotely. Um, and you enforce it and you track it. And like I said, Cheryl will be digging in a little bit more into security and how to lock things down from the technical standpoint. So with that, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Cheryl. Thank you very much, Emily and Randy. Great job so far. You know, we're going to shift gears a little bit and go to tips and best practices to manage that IT security. So hopefully we can get into some good depth here, but not not scare you too much. But we are going to do some scary, scared straight up front here. Um, <laughs> these are some scary stats from, you know, year over year from 2020 to 2021. You know, cyber attacks against corporate networks increased a whopping 50 percent. So doubled. You know, and then at the same time frame, you know, we're seeing an 82% increase in ransomware related data leaks. You know, quantify that a little bit and what the, they're anticipating that cyber crimes will cost the world 10 trillion. And when I read the slide earlier, I, I thought it said billion, but it says trillion annually by 2025. So that, that's a lot of zeros. That is a lot of zeros even by MBA salary comparison, that's a lot of zeros. So we really <laughs> want to just put that in comparison out there. You know, there's many primary threat factors, but you know, obviously acceleration e-crime, the ongoing unfortunate Russian Ukraine conflict, supply chain. We all know way too much about supply chain that when it just scares the S out of us, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So we need to get that under control and the vulnerabilities, remote environments and devices. So what, you know, Emily was talking about, you know, this is the stuff that's scary, the IT folks out there. I mean, the endpoints are spread out all over the world, technically, in some aspects. So, so there's some scary stats, but hopefully we're going to get into some, you know, some other things. But just a, a little bit more scary tactics going on out there, you know, phishing, you know, those, those bad emails are still the number one method. These are how the bad actors are getting in. Some of their examples are spoofing, spoofing emails, ransomware. We've all heard way too much about it, ransomware, cyber extortion, you know, account takeovers, 
man in the middle, people sort of getting in the between of that conversation, then actually spoofing and taking over that conversation. Mobile attacks, denial of uh, denial of service attacks. So this is there's some scary stuff going out there. And if you look at the bottom, according to Global Security Magazine, this little bitty company called Microsoft is related to you know 43% of all brand phishing. So we know that everybody uses Microsoft. So that unfortunately there are some vulnerabilities in their network, you know, not by design, but just pure ease of use. So they, you know, mm -hmm. we need to just watch out what we're doing out there. And we'll get into this a little bit in depth very quickly. Here. Yeah. And I know Cheryl, account takers has uh, takeovers has definitely been a hot one, especially early this year. We saw a lot of that with uh, um, actually authentication methods. So you've got, you know, Duo or Google Authenticator, whatever app you're using, actually uh, uh, hackers going in and sending false pushes and people actually accepting it. It's like, you know, if you didn't send that push, do not accept it. Definitely sure. hit deny. So perfect example. scary yep. stuff. Yep. You know, just to just to quantify quantify this a little bit more, you know, according to IBM, some numbers they put out in 2021, a data breach costs a company an average of $165 per record, and each breach has an average of almost 26,000 records, equating to over $4.24 million per data breach. So just take a second and absorb that. I don't know many companies out there would want to absorb that and just let that roll over. So let's make sure we're going to take a lot of steps in these next slides just to, you know, lock down those networks and, you know, make sure those endpoints are secure. Yeah. And from a cybersecurity insurance perspective, I normally recommend between 150 minimum to $500 per client. And so again, just think about the size of your firm and the clients and in your cybersecurity policies, you'll see multi-factor authentication, which is on this slide referenced. Most of them require it at this point, and mm -hmm. some of the new versions of cybersecurity insurance policies I reviewed this year are now requiring uh, authentication multiple times per day, not just once. Mm -hmm. Perfect, thank you. Good addition, Randy. Yep. And as the slide mentions here, you know, we're looking at some of these are some of the basic levels. These are protecting your endpoints. This is what everybody and every firm should be doing at a bare minimum, you know, using mm -hmm. wired connections. Randy told me years ago, God, we've known each other almost 10 years, never, ever use a private Wi-Fi. And I remember that. And I've been spewing that information <laughs> since that day. So it's good information. You know, review the equipment. As everybody dispersed two and a half years ago, we heard all kinds of examples of people using anything they had their hands on, but hopefully we've gotten that back under control and make sure you understand what piece of equipment they're getting back into your network on. You know, run updates, patch, patch management and doing the reboots, subscribe to an antivirus at a bare minimum. As Randy just mentioned, use MFA, multi-factor authentication. We, we're a proponent of using that at every single level. But, you know, we want to make sure that especially the critical levers, levels are, you know, covered. You know, lock down admin rights. Everyone on your network does not need the admin rights on their PC and into their network. You're just opening yourself. And people aren't being malicious in most cases. They might do something by accident or they might, you know, have some might ha hack into their system and remain vigilant. You're going to see a lot of that, you know, vigilance on these, on these slides. You know, maximizing your security, you know, the posture of your security, you know, think about maybe adopting an NGAV, hot you know, acronym right now, next-gen antivirus, CrowdStrike, you know, Sentinel-1, you know, Carbon Black, these are the big names out there. Um, you know, enlist in an MDR, Manage Detection Response. These are a lot of acronyms you need to be writing down and doing some research on, and we'll be glad to provide some information. Use endpoint telemetry data. Adopt DNS filtering. You know, your firewall should be blocking out these malicious websites. You know, there's no reason that, you know, you should have certain sites like, you know, gambling sites on the workstations allowed, for example. Implement an IPS, intrusion prevention systems. Utilize reputation-based threat prevention. As we mentioned again, just to reiterate, once again, multi-factor authentication. This is critical and easy and very cheap in the scheme of things, you know, tools that you should be using, utilizing. Yep. 
And just a, a couple more examples, as Randy just mentioned, multiple daily backups, you know, maybe a backup every eight hours. So if you have to restore, think about, you know, how recent your most restoration point is, your closest restoration point is. So if you're doing it every eight hours, that's your maximum exposure. You know, data encryption at rest and in transit, enforcing least privileged model. You know, everybody doesn't need access to everything within the network. If you have folks that never ever use UltraTax, for example, why do they even need UltraTax on their desktop? Why do they need credentials to get into QuickBooks, as Randy mentioned, just for example? If they don't need it, why provide it? Just one less door to lock. You know, seek security counsel to verify your strong security posture. You know, get someone to, you know, do a penetration test. Get someone to do a, a forensics, you know, overview. They don't have to dive deep every single time, but there might be some quick little things saying, hey, you really shouldn't have everybody be an admin, admin rights on their PCs, for example. And as Emily mentioned a couple of slides ago, maintain and test, reiterate, test a disaster recovery plan. What happens if, or maybe what happens when? You know, we all know certain people react well under emergencies. Some people do not react well in emergencies. Mm -hmm. so, so if you have something in place for basic, hey, you know, maybe, and Chris always reiterates internally to us, you need something outside your network, you know, passwords, access rights, because if your network is down, you can't get into it, you can't get into your passwords. So you need to be able to find a way to get back into that network. So like I said, these are some of the scare tactics, but we just, you know, we want people to be you know, cognizant of what's going on out there because it's a real world. It's a changed world. We've all heard that new normal two years ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's sort of where things are today. Yeah, so just maybe a couple of points that uh, CTROM wouldn't do because it would be too self-promotional and I know they would not do that. But having reviewed all the providers to the profession, I think the security posture of CTROM and the backup posture of CTROM is above superior to every competitor that I'm aware of. Now, that's a pretty important point because you don't hear Randy say that type of thing very often. But, you know, a simple thing that if you're not using CTROM, you would be in place is following the Department of Homeland Security's backup approach, the 321 model. Three copies of the data on two different mediums with at least one offsite. And nowadays I usually say air gapped. And so you need to ask your provider do they really have multiple media types in the backup? And do they have an air gap copy? And do they have an offsite copy and so forth? And so Part of the reason these materials that we're going through in this section is you'll need to be thinking about how they apply to your firm. And really what's coming up next with cybersecurity training is another case in point. So the fact of the matter is that the attacks are aggressive, just like the Microsoft brand piece that uh, Cheryl pointed out earlier. Uh, you know, I was fished on Microsoft emails twice today because I was just kind of mentally keeping track, knowing that I'd seen that in the presentation. But it's also instructive to know that Microsoft 365, according to Microsoft publications in the last 30 days, say that Microsoft 365 is being attacked 800 times per second. So the bad actors are really going after this stuff. And the bad actors know that it only takes one person in your organization to make a mistake to have the compromise. So, you know, then I'll, I'll kind of let you run again here, Cheryl, because cybersecurity training is a big deal as we would see it. And again, uh, the bad actors know you've got to protect everybody and it just takes one person in your firm make. Thank you very much, Randy. And like I said, not going to read each of these, but you know, your employees are your first line of defense and the number one cause of infection, unfortunately. As mentioned, not malicious, it's just the nature of the job. You know, develop and implement on, ongoing training. Look at a no before. I mean, we've looked at these for clients and you can get this, these services for like $1.50 per user per, per month, and the, which is very cheap in the scheme of things. You know, educate, remind, reinforce, test, qualify, 
And I like this last point, inspire ownership. Make sure your staff, your partners, your managers, your seniors, they understand that they are a part of this. They're part of the solution and could be part of the problem. So we just want to make sure that we're all, I like to joke internally, I'm the point of contact for my IT staff between my wife and my daughter. So I'm, remind, <laughs> I'm reminding them about stuff. And it's so funny because my, my daughter came back from school and she said, Dad, here's an example of something that I saw on my email. It was something new to me. So it's remind. And I like her, I like her ownership. <laughs> we need to lock down our system too, internally. Yeah, repetition really is key with cybersecurity training. Definitely, definitely repetition. And I'm sure that makes Randy roll over. He knows me very well when he says when he knows that Cheryl's the internal IT staff for a bear family. It's really scary for everyone involved. So to you know, shifting to cybersecurity insurance, we, we talked about a little, little bit before. Understand what your coverage is. Period. You know, do you have ransomware insurance? Yes or no? Don't assume. Validate what is covered. Talk to your attorney if you have legal counsel and make sure they understand what is covered and more importantly, what is not covered. You know, is you know, unfortunately, due to recent trends, you know, the rates for insurance have gone up, you know, more than 50% in some cases. The carriers are reducing the limits because they they know the exposure out there. And unfortunately, you know, it's shifted a little bit. You know, probably went to, for cyber insurance, you know coverage five plus years ago and people are like, yeah, yeah, we'll just throw it in included. Not the case anymore. <laughs> sure they're, they're changing that because they know, especially for these larger firms, what the potential exposure could be. We all know what a church is for, but you know, we just understand what it could be. So but very important. And this is, you know, this is think of this as a cyber insurance insurance checklist. These are the things when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, when you're looking at your cyber insurance policy or looking at a potential carrier, these are the things that they're going to be looking for. So you need to have this going in. Talked about MFA, network separation, regular backups. I like that 321. I'm going to use that a lot, Brandy. I like that simple way to say that. You know, mm -hmm. look at those multiple, multiple backups and one off network. Disabled admin privileges at the endpoint. That equals your PC, security awareness training, antivirus, strong password. A lot of stuff should be second nature. You know, sender policy framework. You know, we got things, we got tools in place. You know, and, and the last one is something that is another new acronym, you know, security information and event and management. You know, provides organization with next-gen detection, analytics, and response. So they can actually look and collect everything and find out, okay, what took place? And more importantly, what can we do to make sure it doesn't take place again? So this is stuff you should be looking at when, and when you're seeking cyber insurance. Sort of shift a little bit to Randy. I know this is a, a topic that's near and dear to you. So I'm gonna um, push this off to you for this quick one. Hey, it's want. no worries because as um, I suspect most of our attendees today know, Cheryl and Emily, um, with IRS Pub 5293, which directs you over to IRS Pub 4557 and 1345, and it also refers to the NIST Pub, you basically have to have a security plan if you have a P10 or an EFIN number. And that further, uh, this mandates Graham-Leach-Bliley compliance. You have to have GLB policies in place. So my rule of thumb is you have to, to uh, you know, implement all of those things in the plan. Now, it turns out that the um, security plan mandates that you have the name of the information security program manager, that you've identified the risk in your firm. There's tables that they include in these documents to use as a starting place, that you have to evaluate your risk in the current safety measures, and that you have to have a design in place to protect all the data, including some elements of data loss prevention and some elements of data encryption, and that you have to have a methodology with the data protection program. Some of the tools uh, Cheryl was just talking about help with that. 
and that you have a regular monitoring and testing of the program, much like Cheryl, uh, sorry, Emily mentioned earlier on the business continuity disaster recovery. But the data security plan is mandated by law. So, you know, all of you need one of those in place, as it turns out. So again, look at IRS Pub 5293 as your reference point. Thank you. Great information. Great. And with that, we're going to jump into our final poll. What is, what's on your IT roadmap in 2022-2023? So obviously we have on here check all apply, but I'm pretty sure if you just select your uh, top priority, what's on your top of your list there, looking right. for IT solutions to support hybrid work model, increasing security, improving disaster recovery. It looks like so far that's the leader. Uh, new office move, business acquisition or merger, and looking or looking to outsource your IT. Give everybody a couple seconds here to respond. Looks like we have everybody. All right, yep, it looks like the winner here, increasing security and improving disaster recovery was our top one and a close second, looking for IT solutions to support a hybrid work model. So hopefully you, you guys got some takeaways here um, from the last uh, few slides. <laughs> hopefully the last five slides didn't sway the, the, <laughs> the voting too much. Yes. <laughs> All right. Last section here, let me close this on my screen. You know, where do we go from here? What are some IT solutions to consider? You know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the best in breed technology, you know, re really investigating what's out there, what's available, you know, whether that be, you know, maybe it's not one of the big name brands, maybe it's a new provider that's, you know, hungry and small, and increase, you know, technology encouraging innovation. You know, looking for more seamless digital transaction interacting behind the scenes. I know speaking with clients, they would love to enter in, you know, client information one time and it goes across all different systems. You know, we're everybody's looking for that, you know, that magic pill out there. You know, more in-depth tools and functionality, benefit from frequent software updates by your IT vendor, obviously more important. We talked about this a lot of times, flexibility and scalability to grow with your needs. We have clients that, you know, they're looking, we have some pie in the sky clients out there. They're 10 people now and they want to be 50 within two years. And they're really looking at, you know, how can you grow and looking for a best in breed product that can grow with them. And obviously to reiterate, enhanced security measures is very important to folks out there. You know, this is an, uh, a hot topic and people actually quiz us. I think it's funny because they come to a potential uh, cloud provider and they ask us, how much should we be paying for IT? I think we're a little biased on the topic. <laughs> Maximum money you can. No, but you know, but, you know, going back to, to Randy, you know, most firms are investing between four and 7% of their revenues annually on technology. And I thought this is a key takeaway. The most profitable firms are spending up to 12%. So I'm sure there's a correlation there. These are the profitable firms that are saying, hey, you know, this is key to you know, our longevity. This is key to us making this, you know, and as Randy pointed out here, not to quote Randy, you know, increased spending due to the automation and outsourcing. They're trying to get away from these tedious tasks. That, that word, you know, says a lot, tedious. <laughs> so we, we all know what this, those tedious tasks are, but Randy, this is a great and powerful slide that I hope a lot of people really look at this. And, and we're not saying everybody across the board has to spend this, but when they're looking at it, because we, you know, we get the other side and they say, hey, you know, we think your tech, you know, we think your solution is too expensive. And we really try to quantify that and we try to get some feedback. Why do you feel that way? You know, what's, what's that based on? And they said, well, we hear the going rate is this. Well, I said, that's, that's definitely valuable, but what are you getting for that solution? So really want to look at that. Yeah. So, you know, to give you a little correlation around this and, and color, perhaps, um, it is clear that, you know, people believe that if you spend less on IT, you're saving money. Therefore, you'll make more money. And the opposite tends to be true. Firms that get below that 4% uh, rate tend to reduce partner profitability. That's what's fascinating to me. And 
that, that correlation the other way, spending more actually when it's managed properly really does help. So just be aware that those numbers come from our National Accounting Firm Operations Technology Survey. We've got a trend line of eight plus years on that. So I'm pretty confident in the claim. And it is also clear that the automation spend right now is making a difference. Uh, you know, so just be aware that there's shifts that will continue in this area. So sorry to back you up there, Emily. Oh, no problem no, at all. Good. And you're good. It's fitting because automation is uh, one of our topics here on the slide. That's right. You know, just yeah. further further into enhancing that experience. You know, we talked about the flexible virtual desktop solution. This is really bringing this desktop, you know, if you take away that people don't know what this is, taking your desktop no matter where you go. I mean, I like to keep it that simple term. You know, people come to us and say, give me a demo of your desktop. And they're sort of underwhelmed, like, well, it looks like a Microsoft desktop. I'm like, well, that's what it is. I <laughs> didn't want to spoil that, but that's what we're providing. You know, virtual communication tools, secure file share solutions. This is something that really, you know, we're just buzzwords collaboration. How can we securely share this information amongst many different topics and you know, products? Automated workflow for once again that tedious, tedious processes, systems monitoring and management to improve the performance. And that that is the key here. We want to improve that performance and the profitability, hopefully. You know, it, many advantages to outsour outsourcing your IT, you know, promoting growth, focusing on your core business tasks, you know, maintaining the operational control. Offering staff flexibility, we mentioned a lot of times in this presentation, provide management for risk, access to stronger technologies, those best of breed that we mentioned, gain team, gain a team of cybersecurity experts. You know, think about that. I mean, you could go to someone, you don't have an IT point of contact or an IT security point of contact, you would have a team of experts. So think about if they're qualified to do that, hopefully that's what you're gaining. And underline, time back into your day. We had another example of the same conference a couple of weeks ago. A, a partner came up, the managing partner said, hey, you know, we're so happy we came to Citrom, you know, the main IT point of contract, I think he, he's gained back 500 billable hours back into his annual, you know, basis there. So that's, that's a big number. And so, and that's bringing back, you know, billable hours back to the firm is obviously key to everybody. We can all understand that. Last slide here, you know, when you're out there vetting a potential IT provider, you know, here's just some questions that we came up with, you know, what level of support can you expect? You know, make sure you hold these people's feet to the fire. You know, what is their history of uptime, aka no downtime? Verify this through reference checks. Obviously verify all these if you can. You know, how do they help secure their client's data? We personally, you know, we are big, big, big on security. As we mentioned, that security is number one, and that's not a, that's a, not an understatement at all. You know, SOC 2, ask them what their background, what compliance do they go through annually? They need to be verified. You know, what they're saying needs to be verified. Where are their data centers located? Are they offshore? Are they in the States, hopefully? What's their disaster backup you know, plan and recovery, more important, recovery problem solution? You know, are any parts outsourced? You know, who's answering the phones, for example? Where are those folks located? Are they just a call center, for example? Randy mentioned, we, we talked about that slide with all the different logos. You know, these are, these are particular ap applications out there. And we've had many people come to us. They say, hey, we're, we like you because you know, you know how to spell engagement. We were talking to a provider and they're like, ah, CCH engagement, it's just an application. As we all know that people that handle CCH engagement, it's more than just another application. It is critical and core. What flexibilities in the proposed IT solution? We call it the scope. We get into a lot of detail. And more importantly, what are my guarantees? How can I get out of this contract? As I said, Randy and I have known each other for a while and some other folks out there, they make it they have, you know, we applaud them. They have ironclad contracts and people, even if they have downtime, they couldn't get away from their current IT providers. So definitely make sure you understand who you're beginning a long-term relationship with. Great. Thank you, Cheryl. And we're about 
uh, right at the hour here. So fortunately, we don't have a lot of time for Q&A, but definitely want to give folks a chance to put uh, any questions they have in the chat. Um, I do see Robin mentioned, can you send me the slides? Of course, we will definitely make sure that you guys have a copy of the deck. Um, and thank you, Stephen, for providing um, some commentary there as well as some resources. Appreciate it. Yeah, and if um, if anybody has any questions and want to take it offline, wanted to provide our contact information here. Um, of course, you have Chris here, Cheryl. Um, he can go a little bit more in depth into you know solutions and support that we offer. And then if you guys are looking for any additional tips, resources, articles, um, or helpful guides, um, feel free to reach out to me um, from the the communication side of Ctrom. So, and with that, I'll hand things back over to Randy. Cheryl, pleased to spend the time with you just to talk through these concepts with uh, yourselves and our attendees today. And uh, we continue to wish you greatest success and couldn't be more pleased for the information that you provided. So I know uh, we'll see you around the country. And I think, Cheryl, I'll see you within the next week or so. Very soon. So, yeah. <laughs> and you too, Emily. Yeah, so. we'll both be in Vegas. So if anybody's uh, planning to be at Engage, we'll be at booth 917. Stop by to get your ticket for a free massage. You yeah. know, you guys deserve it after tax season. So come see us. Great. <laughs> all right. Well, and uh, we will see all of you again in future CPE Today sessions. And just note that uh, you can access our courses through the courses tab at CPE today, and this recording will also be available there. So thank you. You guys have a fine day. Thank you very thank much, you Randy. All. Thanks, Emily. Thank you, Randy. You. Thanks for Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five-question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. Please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back at the office the next time around.